0: We got off the plane, went straight on the bus to the venue in which we were staying. And once we got off the bus, I found a disabled toilet in the Turkmenistan food court um, in the athlete village. And what I did was I quickly went into the disabled bathroom and did my three-minute plank. (laughs) Welcome to The Waiting Game Podcast, a podcast where I attempt to bring more dialogue into the world of Olympic weightlifting and share my experiences and perspectives in the sport and resistance training in general. It was a perspective I wish was more accessible during my earlier years of training, so here is my attempt to bring that value to those who may be seeking it. Welcome everyone to episode 3 of the podcast. I'm Brandon Wakling, Olympian and multiple time representative at the Commonwealth Games in the sport of Olympic weightlifting. And no, if you read the title, this is not a typo. I have, once upon a time, I trained abs for 1,394 days consecutively. And for those who followed me a few years ago on Instagram would probably remember this if they used to watch my Instagram story as I used to post these Every day, I used to keep people updated on what I did on my Instagram story and even had a few of my followers join in from time to time. For those that didn't follow me on Instagram back then, I'll give you a brief backstory as to what started this trend of training abs every single day. So back in 2017, myself and my partner Linny decided to take up a challenge to simply start training abs every day. And the reason behind that was... We were both finding ourselves at the end of our training sessions starting to get lazy like a lot of us do with the mundane necessities such as stretching accessories and of course abdominal work. So, we decided to shake things up and set up a challenge which simply entailed us training abs every single day. And the rules for this were simple. It ran on Australian Eastern Standard Time, no matter where in the world we were. And abs had to be completed within each 24-hour period each day that passed. No excuses. And we would have the abdominal work for the day programmed, so we would do the same amount of work, just so one wouldn't progress faster than the other, etc. But just to show how serious it did get, as obviously there's going to be obstacles that come in your path when you're training abs over 1,300 days in a row, So here's a couple funny places that we ended up having to do our abdominal work. Now one that I found the most memorable was in 2017 when I flew to Turkmenistan to compete in the indoor Asian and martial arts games. So obviously the flights to there were long, it was over 14 hours of flying. And when I arrived there, I had an hour left in the 24 hour gap within that AEST time. So we got off the plane, went straight on the bus to the venue in which we were staying. And once we got off the bus, I found a disabled toilet in the Turkmenistan food court um, in the athlete village. And what I did was I quickly went into the disabled bathroom and did my three minute plank, which was set for the day. Another one was actually on the way back from Turkmenistan at the Singapore airport terminal. I train abs in the terminal during our connection to head back home. Another was when I was working at a school and I took the school kids, these were primary school age from grade four to six, I I took them through day 554. And I know Linny did hers at the Australian Open tennis stadium when she went to go watch the tennis one year. Now the streak did end of course, and I'll tell you how it ended to finish this episode. I'll give you a little hint to how the streak ended. It involved a household appliance, ceramic, and a rapid trip to the hospital. So before I talk about this story, I wanted to touch on the reasoning behind doing challenges like this, because this is a tool that I've used in the past before when I felt like I wasn't tracking well towards my goals and I've used it to shake up and break the cycle of bad habits I was developing, therefore creating new beneficial habits in the process. So as I said, this wasn't my first time setting an extreme challenge like this. There was another memorable one that I set for myself back in 2015 where I implemented a drastic change to help become a person that would be able to graduate from university without failing. So back in 2015, I was 19 at the time and I was in my first year of university studying business and I was essentially just going through the motions, just doing what I needed to do to get by, you know, as the old saying goes, peas get degrees. That was pretty much my motto at that point in time and I was in my second semester, and i just finished my mid-semester exams. Specifically for this story, it, I'm going to be talking about my economics exam. So when I got my results back for all of my exams, I had noticed that I'd failed my economics exam, and I felt blindsided by the fact that I did fail it. And it wasn't for the fact that I had studied hard for it, it was the opposite. I actually did the bare minimum required And I know it sounds weird to say that you're blindsided by something that you didn't do the necessary work for, but it was one of the first times that I'd failed an exam following my usual approach of essentially just doing the bare minimum and doing what I thought I needed to get done to pass. So I studied, but I didn't study, if that makes sense. And this was around the time that ties in as well to my previous Backstory podcast, where I was talking about where I was really escalating my efforts drastically in the gym. And this gave me a serious moment of introspection, where I realized that the current habits that I had when it comes to my schooling was unsustainable and I wasn't gonna be able to graduate if I continued to go down this path. So this was my extreme solution to this problem. So I wanted to create a way that I could build momentum for the day, feel productive early on so that I would feel like I'm not only catching up on the content that I hadn't had a grasp of properly, but I was also setting it in a way that I could get ahead. So what I did was I started my day by arriving to the gym to train at 4am every day. Early start to the day to feel like I was getting a head start. Then, when I got back home, I would have the cleanest breakfast that I thought. Keep in mind that my knowledge of nutrition at the time was very, very baseline. And this was when I was really starting to develop my knowledge base when it come to um, nutrition. So, obviously, this is not ideal um, and quite extreme, but this is what I did. So, I'd have a serving of plain oatmeal with six egg whites plus baby spinach and a black coffee with also a liter of water. Then I would study from 5.30 a.m. till 7.30 a.m. uninterrupted. And this was how I would start my day every single day of the week. And I challenged myself to do just a month of this. I thought if I did it for a month, then I would gain some momentum and then I would be back up to speed with everyone. But I ended up doing it for the rest of the school year and was never close to failing a subject ever again in my university career. I guess you could say. So what I learnt through this was of course first the power of momentum, but more importantly I learnt the danger of being rewarded for winning despite not having the victory being predicated on work ethic and initiative. So when it comes to university I was thinking that I could get by with only having to give half an effort, which worked initially, but slowly over time it spiralled to a point where I had to make a change or suffer the consequences. Now I lived that again on a different scale in weightlifting when I started to skip mundane tasks in my training and although it didn't come to a turning point like it did with university in the form of a failed exam, I could see where it was going if I continued down that path and a drastic change had to be made. Now this is something I try to be aware of and evaluate myself on post-competition or post-training cycle now if that training cycle has a peak but no competition, the same method applies. So essentially, when things go well, what I found that it's very easy to think that you can essentially just emulate that same training program directly after the one you've just done and expect another positive result when that might not always be the case. So the way that you trained during that previous training cycle that gave you a good result may not even be sustainable for another training block, especially if you are slowly starting to cut corners when it comes to the program recovery Accessories, rehabilitation work, you know, sleep, diet, the list can go on really. And what I've personally found when I started to skip these smaller aspects of training, I felt like I was getting away with it at the time, like it didn't matter. But short term, it may not have mattered. Long term, it definitely does matter. Issues may not arise from skipping the mundane tasks within that training block, but talking three, four training blocks down the track it may spiral to become something big. Now, I can define that mindset in a single quote, and I personally am not a fan of quotes at all, especially motivational quotes, I find them quite corny, but this was something that I would tell myself, especially if I came off a good result in a competition. And that was, if I slept on a win, I would wake up with a loss. Essentially meaning, if I overshadowed all the little things that went wrong in that training cycle because the overall result was a net positive, then that sets myself up for defeat later down the track. So despite coming off a win, it's always good to critically evaluate the, the training cycle as a whole regardless of whether it was a win or not. So I've touched on pretty much everything that I wanted to talk on on that subject. And now I'll bring you back to the start of the episode where I said at the end of this episode, I will talk about how the ab streak ended. So this is how all 1,394 days of training abs consecutively Come to an end. So, this goes back to a few days before Christmas in 2020. I was training downstairs in a little home gym at the time, and Lenny was upstairs doing some <laughs> Christmas baking. And as I was training, I heard an odd, loud bang upstairs, followed by some abrupt footsteps going back and forth. Then I eventually heard some steps coming down the stairs to the gym where I was training. And Lenny came in with her right pointer finger wrapped up in a paper towel looking quite pale in the face, and the paper towel was quite red, so obviously blood. And I went to see what was going on, and I saw that her right um, pointer finger, right where the knuckle is in the middle, had been sliced to the bone. So we obviously had to go to the hospital at this point, so we went upstairs to see what had happened, and what had happened was Linnea was using a KitchenAid, which if anyone that doesn't know what a KitchenAid is, it's an automatic mixing bowl in which the bowl was made of ceramic. And what happens is if the bowl isn't fixated properly in the mixing station, it still tries to attempt the bowl that's in it, even though it's not in completely. So the machine tried to mix the bowl that was slightly out of place with such force that it shattered the bowl while doing so, sending ceramic everywhere and slicing Linny's finger in the process, which wasn't far from the ceramic at the time. So he ended up going to the hospital straight from there and she ended up having to get an x-ray on the finger and also get an assessment from the surgeon as the ceramic had nicked the tendon on that knuckle. And it may have required surgery to attach completely if the cut was severe enough. Luckily enough, the the cut had only nicked the tendon and apparently wasn't bad enough that it required surgery. But the process of going through, waiting in the hospital, getting the x-ray, getting the assessment, was just over 12 hours. So at this point, once she had had her finger all stitched up and we walked out of the hospital, it was after 3 a.m. at this point. So obviously, as I said, the rules of the abs every day were was we had to do it within a 24-hour period based on Australian Eastern Standard Time. That was where the ab streak ended. And as upsetting as you may think it is to have ended the ab streak after so long There wasn't really those feelings behind it because we felt that 1,394 days was a pretty good effort. And then through that process, exercising that discipline, it definitely helped pay off within other realms of our training during that period. And now that story time is done, I think that marks the end of this episode. So thank you to everyone who is tuning into this podcast. I appreciate everyone who listens. And also thank you to everyone who had reached out and messaged me in Instagram to say they're listening and enjoying the podcast so far. I went into starting this podcast mentally prepared to have no listeners, so the support really does motivate me to try, do my best, and improve the way I do this podcast so I can stick it out for the long run. So my main goal of this is to make sure that I'm doing this podcast weekly for at least the next five years and beyond. So let's keep the ball rolling. On to episode four next Monday. I'll talk to you all then. See you later.